Hey everybody, this is Lara and welcome to Lala's Amateur Whining. I am so excited to talk about stuff this week. I actually watch things <laughs> for a change. Um, I'm super excited because Barry started back this past Sunday. Um, it's on HBO. If you haven't watched the show, first of all, I don't know why you're even listening to this. We have nothing in common whatsoever. Everybody should be watching this show. It's hilarious. It's uh, like the perfect amount of drama and action and just bananas, crazy stuff. It's so fun. Um, I guess for those who aren't in the know, uh, it's Bill Hader is <laughs> he's a hired assassin. And this is the third season that just started this past Sunday. And um Basically, after last season, he sort of went on this rampage in the season finale and he killed like an insane amount of quote unquote bad guys. And uh, then, you know, the pandemic happened and we haven't heard from Barry in like two years. So I honestly, <laughs> I didn't remember everything that had happened at the end. So it was kind of nice. They did like this sweet little recap of everything. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. So everybody's back. Um, Barry and his sort of girlfriend, Sally, they're now living together, um, which is terrible. She's a terrible character. I have so many bones to pick with the writing of Sally. Um, I've heard that I guess the people associated with the show sort of just, uh, oh, she's a career driven woman. But she's not, actually. She's sort of a sociopath. And she's a definite bitch. And you can be driven in your career and not be a complete and total narcissist. So I, I do hate that. I hate that when men write women who are career driven, but they're just absolute terrible people. I don't think those are necessarily uh, hand in hand sort of situations. But anyways, that's I hate I hate that, but that's that's about it. Anyways, so um, when we've picked up the show, Barry is now doing Craigslist killings. So <laughs> I forgot what what it said on the screen, but it was basically like um, like hire an assassin website or whatever. And there's like all these different people looking for assassins. Like uh, my husband cheated on me. Uh, my boss gives me shit or like whatever it is and like you can click on them and they'll they'll hire you to come kill that person so <laughs> that's where he sort of devolved from you know being sort of this high-paid assassin doing serious work and now he's just like on craigslist um sally apparently has her own tv show now and it looked to be sort of based on her life but um in the TV show, she has a daughter or, I mean, I guess it's her daughter, uh, which is the actress from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was just, uh, I talked about that a few episodes ago. And um, Natalie from the acting class, um, who's played by, I think I say this right, Darcy Carden, who was actually Bill Hader's nanny in real life. And now she's an actress and now she's on a show. And uh, she plays... Natalie and Natalie is now Sally's assistant. That was a lot. Okay. Um, no ho Hank is back. 
He is an amazing character. He's one of the best TV show characters that I've seen in a long time. He's just so casually hilarious. I love his little antics. I love his just, (laughs) his insane optimism is just great. And then he can just flip on a dime and be kind of creepy and scary, which is so fun. Um, And he and Cristobal are living together and in a relationship now, which I was like, oh, okay. I didn't see that coming, but all right. Um, Fuchs, who was Barry's, I don't want to say like handler, but maybe like manager. Uh, He's apparently taking the rap for all the murders in the last season. And he's now hiding out in Chechnya. And Noho Hank gets like called to the police station to interview him about like all the murders that happened. And uh, that that was the season finale for season two. And um, and Noho Hank calls him the Raven. Like he just makes up this moniker for him that he's just he's he's the Raven. Isn't that scary? And (laughs) meanwhile, Fuchs is just like living in Chechnya and hiding out and um, living in the middle of nowhere and eating off brand cereal. And uh, so that and then at the end, we have. Gene Cousineau, who was the acting teacher, and he's played by Henry Winkler. And last season, his girlfriend got murdered, and Fuchs had actually told him that Barry was the one who did it. So, like, Gene believes, like, all of this is Barry. And he tells the police, and the police are like, no, it's, like, this other guy, the Raven, who's, who did all the murders. And uh, so... At the end of the episode, Cousineau is like, hey, Barry, you know, can I, I need your help. I, I guess he's packing up the school like the acting class is shut down. So uh, Barry shows up to help him and, and Gene like pulls a gun on him out of nowhere. Like he's going to kill him because he killed his girlfriend. Right. And he aims the gun at him. And then like <laughs> all the bullets fall like right out of the gun. I don't. Look, I even though I'm from Georgia and I live in the country, I've never fired a gun in my entire life. True story. So I don't actually know the ins and outs of how guns and bullets work, but (laughs) I do know they're not supposed to fall out of the freaking gun when you hold it up to somebody like that defeats the entire purpose. So (laughs) Barry's sitting across from at the table. They're just like sort of chit chatting. And then he like pulls a gun on him and all the bullets freaking fall out onto the floor. And he's like, oh, shit. So then the next scene, you see Barry, like, he's maybe going to assassinate Gene, obviously, because, like, now he's got to die because he knows too much. And um, he he has this sort of realization, like, oh, wait, you can help me. And, like, the, you know, the screen goes black and you're like, no, because... Of course, this is one of those HBO shows, not like Netflix, where they dump all the episodes at one time. This is HBO where they're only going to give you one episode a week. So now I have to wait until next week or actually. okay. so today is Wednesday. So I just have to wait half a week in order to get to the next part about like what's going on. But um, I'm really excited about this season. I was kind of nervous that it, it might start getting stale or like going downhill because there were some crazy things that happened in season two that were just like, okay, 
We're not jumping the shark, but we are going a little crazy here with some of the script and some of the writing and some of the characters were just a little too off the wall. Um, Like there was a girl who was sort of this wild, rabid ferret child who was like scrambling all over a car. It was like, okay, this is a little too much. Um, But okay, so far this season is off to a great start. So I'm really excited about that. Um, And then I (laughs) I watched like a bunch of serial killer stuff. I don't know. That sort of seemed to be the theme, I guess, because Barry would sort of fit into that category too, even though he's like a paid serial killer. Um, (laughs) I watched, um, on Hulu, there's a documentary called Captive Audience, A Real American Horror Story, and it's about the Stainer family. And, um, if you don't know about the Stainer family, they, uh, were in California, like Northern California. They lived near Yosemite National Park and, um, Stephen Stainer, He was, I believe, the third child in the family of five, and he was abducted at the age of seven in 1972. Um, He was gone for years. He was found in 1980. He was alive, but he had been kidnapped by a child molester who changed his name and like he was in school, he was living a quote unquote normal life, but he was just living with this child molester who did terrible things to him um, from the age of seven until, you know, he was found eight years later and returned to his family. And there was a, a movie made about him called my, I know my first name is Steven. And I saw that movie as a kid and it, it was so traumatizing to me. Like I, legit lived in fear of being kidnapped and it's one of my biggest fears like I'm legit panic induced anxiety panic attacks terrified of something like that happening to somebody I know um I've always been terrified of that you know and like you've got the Cleveland girls who were kidnapped and they lived in that house with Castro for like 10 years So it happens. That's what's so scary is like this still this shit still happens today where people are kidnapped and they're held against their will for years and nobody knows it. And they're just going about their lives like how many more people are out there like this. So anyways, Stephen Stainer was returned to his family. Um, He ended up uh, getting married pretty young And having two kids, I think he just sort of wanted to put like all of the tragedy behind him. But he did have a lot of trouble when he came back home because when he was living with this um, child molester guy, the guy sort of let him come and go as he pleased. He was able to smoke and drink even though he was like 15. And uh, so when he came back home, all of a sudden there's like rules because it's his parents and he's got siblings. So I think there was a lot of conflict when he came home. And um, so he ended up, I think, moving out pretty young, getting married, and then he ended up dying in a motorcycle accident in 1989. Um, So, like, his family had him for seven years, he was kidnapped, and then he came home in 1980, and then they had him for nine more years, and then he died tragically in a motorcycle accident. Um, I think it was like a car pulled out and just hit him. I don't even think he knew what what hit him, literally. Um, but then, so he has an, 
had an older brother named Carrie. And Carrie was 11 when Stephen was kidnapped in um, 1972. And in 1999, Carrie, the older brother of Stephen, murdered like two grown women and two teenagers and ended up getting sentenced in 2002. Um, he, he was given the death penalty, but he's still alive. Um, California is kind of weird. They do a lot of stays of executions and stuff like that. I don't think they've actually um, killed someone on death row for a long time, but uh, he was still living around Yosemite national park and all these women that were horrifically murdered were staying um, around the Cedar Lodge Motel. Like they were either staying there or like lived near there, I believe. And uh, he just like went and killed them. So not only did his parents lose one child, they lost two in crazy ways. I mean, the whole story is something like you couldn't even write this as a movie because it wouldn't even be believable that this family had something so horrific happen and then something else so horrific happen that, I mean, it's just mind blowing. And I just, I feel so much for the parents and the siblings and, um, you know, what they went through. It's, it's really shocking case. The documentary is really good. You know, they talked to Stephen and Carrie's mom and one of their sisters. And um, they actually talked to Stephen's children. And they were very young when he died. I want to say they were like one in three or like two in four or something. Like they were like babies almost. So they don't really have any memory of their dad. And so they were going through some of his belongings and um, the documentary people were playing uh, interviews like in his own voice. So that and that was stuff that they were hearing for the first time, which was kind of crazy that they're adults and they're just sort of hearing their dad's voice for the first time. Um, so that was really emotional. And it's crazy to think that um, like how Carrie could have been affected like maybe he wouldn't have been a serial killer, but, you know, maybe something happened with his parents, you know, I mean, I can understand if one of your children goes missing, maybe the other kids aren't getting as much attention because you're, you just sort of lose your mind. And especially back in the seventies, it wasn't as common to get therapy or talk to someone or have your feelings being understood and heard. So, um, who knows what he was going through to be honest, but, you know, would he have gone on to be a serial killer if Stephen was never kidnapped? I mean, that's something that you never know. I mean, obviously, psychopaths and sociopaths are, are born. They're not necessarily made. I mean, it's I, I don't think they are. I, I kind of feel like you're either born that way or you're not. You have a proclivity towards certain things or you don't. Um, because other people grow up in awful situations and they don't become serial killers. So, uh, but it, it's crazy. And I remember the case in 1999 because I was 18 and, um, my parents were, are, my parents are divorced, but my mom was a single mom at that time. And me and her and my sister would travel together. Like the three of us would travel. And I was just, I remember thinking like that could have been us, because we would travel to just, you know, we'd go to parks or we'd go to hotels and like random places and you just never know who's who's there. 
So that the whole and and then to find out like that's Steven Stainer's older brother, because I I never will forget Steven Stainer as long as I live because his his <laughs> the movie about his life scarred me <laughs> horrifically. Um. So, anyways, that's on Hulu if you want to check that out. Um. And then I watched uh, this bananas movie called Willie's Wonderland. And it's a couple years old. I'd heard about it briefly. Like I had vague memories of seeing a trailer, but I'd never seen it before. The I'd never seen the movie before. It was actually filmed in Georgia. Um, apparently not. It was probably filmed about an hour away from me, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I thought it was filmed in like Texas or, you know, some or like Oklahoma, some sort of quote, middle of the nowhere parts of America. But no, it was just like an hour away from here. So it's middle of the nowhere in Georgia. And um, I, I looked up the movie and apparently the idea for the movie um, came from a video game called Five Nights at Freddy's, which I don't know anything about. I stopped playing video games like 20 years ago. So I'm really not up to date with anything in that world or vicinity or um, what's cool with the kids these days. But uh, this movie is essentially... Like, okay, so it's called Willy's Wonderland, but it's basically like a Chuck E. Cheese. And <laughs> I guess like some Satanists were running the place and uh, they were like snatching families and killing them. And the police, quote unquote, finally caught up to them. And instead of giving themselves up, they did like a, a satanic sacrifice. And in sort of a <laughs> child's play, Chucky sort of way they all went into the characters so now the soul of these satan satanic worshipers are all in these animatronic creatures that are on stage like singing and dancing for children so the movie starts out with um <laughs> nicholas cage he doesn't say like a fucking word in this entire movie by the way he doesn't say like one goddamn word of dialogue it's just looking glancing like drinking uh like monster energy drinks essentially um playing pinball and then beating the shit out of these animatronic creatures so he blows into town and his car goes over like these spikes in the road pops the tire so he takes his car to this local shop and they're like oh it's gonna be this much money but we only take cash and uh our atms don't work here so, um, oh, you don't have that much money in cash? Well, here's how you can pay for it. If you go to Willie's Wonderland, which is now shut down, um, and clean it for the night, we'll call it even, and I'll fix your car. So he, he gets taken to w Willie's Wonderland, which is like this... It, I mean, it looks like a closed-down, shitty Chuck E. Cheese, right? And um, he goes in, they shut the door, and then they lock him in. And uh, he puts on, like, a Willy's Wonderland t-shirt and gets to mopping, and he starts cleaning. And, like, every hour, he takes a break while he's there. So, like, he has his watch set, and <laughs> he takes a break. He goes, has, like, an energy drink, plays some pinball, and then he goes back to work. So, and then every hour one of the animatronic creatures like comes and tries to kill him and he's like defeating them. So it did sort of feel like a video game in that sense where like, he's got to defeat all of these 
quote unquote bad guys in different rooms and situations. Um, there's like a gorilla, there's a turtle, there's a weasel, there's like a little fairy who looks like like a demonic joy from um, Disney's Inside Out. Or is that Disney or Pixar? Whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, there's a, uh, a chameleon, a knight, and I forgot what else, but like they keep coming for it. And some teenagers end up showing up to the place. They're going to burn it down. Um, like the leader of the teenager group, her parents were killed in there when she was a little kid. So she has this vendetta that she's going to like burn it to the ground, but people keep trying to stop her. So, um, they realize this guy's in there and they can't burn it down with him in. So they got to go in and save him. So they all go in and now they all start getting picked off, of course, because that's the kind of movie it is. So um, the the girl, the leader of the um, teenagers, her name is Liv, like Olivia, I guess. And um, she, <laughs> she has to fight one of the creatures and... Um, she keeps trying to talk to Nicolas Cage's character, but like, he's just not responsive. And there's a part where like one of the characters comes out to like, try and kill him. And then like his watch goes off and he's sort of like, sorry. And he just sort of like hands her a weapon and like leaves to go take his break. So it's this sort of like almost dark humor, but it's, it, it doesn't necessarily come off as dark humor. It's more just sort of silly and weird uh, I, I mean, it was kind of fun that he didn't talk the entire uh, movie. So basically it was all about, you know, his facial expressions and um, and that's pretty much it, which is kind of weird for a Nicolas Cage movie, right? Because you're used to him sort of caging out and doing like all his weird isms, but now it's like on mute. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was weird. It was good. I guess I don't feel like I ever need to watch it again. It was fine for like just an amusing typical horror movie. So I think it was like an hour and a half. Um, yeah, it was definitely something different. So I, I don't know. I guess a lot of people had a bone to pick with it because it was based off a video game, but I didn't know the video game even existed. So for me, it was like a brand new sort of story, something I hadn't heard before. <laughs> Uh, but it definitely made me wonder where the idea came from originally. Like, did somebody work at Chuck E. Cheese and like hated it so much that they had to create the story? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, yeah, it's on Hulu. Uh, if you want to check it out, I, uh, I watched this movie. I watched most of this movie on Netflix called the Clove Hitch Killer, the Clove Hitch Killer. Um, <laughs> so it it was something that like it kept being offered up to me and I was like god I don't I really don't want to watch this this was also like a couple years old I don't know why I keep getting offered movies that are like years I'm like can I have something new please I want to have something sort of fresh um but it <laughs> so this is another serial killer movie and this the general plot line is that this 16 year old kid believes that his father is a serial killer nicknamed the clove hitch killer but his dad is like this devout super christian man and um 
but he he starts to find these things like he finds like photographs and magazines of like women who are tied up and there's like a polaroid that he finds in his dad's truck where a woman's tied up and then there's all these women who had gone missing and were like found murdered in the town in those sort of ways and uh he finds their driver's licenses like in his dad's like around their house and uh his dad tries to blame it on um, the kid's uncle, so like the dad's brother. He's like, no, it was him. He's the one who did it. I'm, I'm just covering for him. And it, it was sort of just... It, <laughs> I don't know how to really to explain it. It was just one of those movies where I was like, okay, this is sort of dumb. I can see where they were going with it. It essentially, to me, seemed like they were trying to do a movie that was loosely based on the BTK killer uh, because he was a devout church going man. He was super close with his kids. He was always doing stuff with his kids. He was happily married, but then he was living this entire life on the side where he was literally murdering people and getting away with it for decades. And that's really what the plot of this movie is about when you get down to it. Um, Except it just didn't have as much excitement, I guess, as I would hope for a movie that's about a serial killer who's got a double life. I know it's told from the perspective of the son, so it wouldn't necessarily be like a lot of excitement building because it's not the serial killer's point of view, right? But it just, it it seemed to sort of fall flat. Like, there was nothing that made me super interested in it or super excited to, like, ooh, what's what's coming next? You know, there was no excitement building. I was just sort of like, okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, okay, yeah, I get what you're doing here. And I honestly, I <laughs> I turned it off because uh, I had to do something else, and then I didn't even finish it. I didn't come to the conclusion of what was going to happen, so I just looked it up on Wikipedia, and it, like, I guessed the ending completely. So, um, that was kind of a disappointment. <laughs> uh, I, it kind of bothers me that Netflix thinks that it knows me and then it sends me these like half-ass serial killers. I don't know. I'm just, whatever happened to the good old fashioned slasher films, you know, where you're like honestly really excited to see like where they're going to pop out next. It's just, they, they sort of lose steam if everything's done in the daylight <laughs> and it just happens to be your dad who like wears glasses and just is doing these weird things on the side. I don't know. It was just weird. It wasn't great. I was not thrilled about it. And I hope that Netflix will offer me better things in the future. <laughs> um, I also, uh, my husband, and I started Tokyo Vice, which is on HBO. I didn't have any interest in watching it um, because it's got Ansel Elgort and he's got all those weird like sexual assault allegations against him. So I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not super here for your career redemption period before I know if all of this stuff is true. Uh, but Ken Watanabe was also in it. I was like, eh, you know, whatever. Let's give this a try and see if it's halfway interesting. It was so goddamn boring. I was so fucking bored watching it. It was beyond, beyond boring. I was so not into it, like whatsoever. 
Um, it's set in the 90s, and it's basically like this American-born guy in his 20s moves to Tokyo, obviously, and he wants to be a journalist, so he's trying to get a job at the best Japanese newspaper, and he's like the first white guy who's ever hired here. And like he studied really hard and he had taken all these tests and he's like really good at speaking Japanese and writing and all this stuff. And he starts writing for the newspaper um, and he, he's covering crimes in Tokyo. And he sort of starts to see this pattern of people who are being murdered, but the police are insisting that it's not murder, it's suicide. So um, he's trying to look into how this is maybe connected to the Yakuza, which is basically like the Japanese mob. And um, I can't tell you how incredibly uninteresting any of it was. It was just, it was so slow that it became tedious to keep paying attention. And I was just spacing out and not, obviously it's subtitled because they're in Japan and like I'm missing stuff because I was just sort of like, <laughs> I guess, gazing off into the distance and like not actually watching the show and not really thinking I was sort of drifting with my thoughts. So uh, I think we watched two episodes. <laughs> Is that sad that I don't even know? I think we watched two episodes and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I don't have any interest in finishing this. So, um, yeah, we just sort of left it. And um that was it. That was like the main things that I watched. I'm super bummed. One of my friends is at CrimeCon this weekend, which is being held in Las Vegas. Um, I try to go to CrimeCon every other year just because it's such an expense to like pay for the tickets and the flight and the hotel and like everything. It's just a, a really big deal. So I try to go every other year. And last year I went, it was in Austin, Texas. And then I was like, shit, of course it's in Las Vegas, like, the next year. And watch, like, next year it's going to be in, like, Alabama or something. Like, I'm hoping it's going to be someplace really cool, like San Diego or, like, Hawaii. That would be awesome. But, um, yeah, I'm super jealous that she's at CrimeCon this weekend and I'm stuck here in Georgia. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. Um I have a couple of other things that I was hoping to watch this weekend. Um, just sort of the way it worked out that I had some time on my hands to do stuff. So um, I got a lot of things accomplished this weekend. I'm really proud of myself. So um, let me know what you think. If you've seen these shows, if you watch these shows, let me know what you think about them. Um, if you've got something that you think I should watch and talk about, whether it was good or shitty or whatever, hey, look, I'm up for anything. I watched The Clove Hitch Killer and I watched Tokyo Vice, so you know I'll watch any sort of shit. Um, and that's all I've got for this week. So I will talk to you guys next week. And thanks for listening. And please subscribe. Or if you super duper love me, then go to my Patreon and maybe consider contributing to my fun so I can go see movies and talk about them and make fun of them and chat with you guys. So I will see y'all next week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for joining me and be sure to check out the podcast on social media. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.